You're listening to a DM podcast. Let's go on yeah, a trip. Let's go on a trip. Yeah, baby. It's not too bad. What was the question again? <laughs> okay, let's go. I'm Angela Caterns. I'm Ian Rogerson. And welcome to Suddenly Senior. This is a podcast series for those of us who've reached a certain age in life. That's right. You can join if you're not our age, but it'll be a lot more fun if you are. <laughs> so strap yourselves in, check your blood pressure, light your spliff, pour yourself a small bevy, and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we usually avoid politicians on Suddenly Senior, but we've made an exception for our next guest. He was originally with Friends of the Earth and became a Sydney City Councillor. He went on to become the Federal Minister for Aboriginal Affairs in the Hawke Keating governments. These days, among many other things, he's an advocate for Every Age Counts, a program aimed at combating ageism. Mr Robert Tickner, hello and welcome. Hello, good to be with you. Yeah, pleasure to have you here, Robert. It really is. Have you personally experienced ageism? Well, I should say to begin with that I guess my work with Every Age Counts, although important to me, is a really small part of my life at the moment. I spend the great bulk of my time working on the Justice Reform Initiative campaign to essentially shift away uh, Australia from uh, obsession in following the American model of building more and more prisons and youth detention centres and instead to invest in the underlying issues that get people there in the first place. But I certainly do have an interest in the Every Age Counts campaign. I chair the board and I became involved a few years ago because people wanted my advice on the sort of structure and organisation that a campaign like this should have. And my advice was very much to say that, well, if you really want to change public opinion, you need to build a coalition and you need to build uh, a movement of people um, to build awareness of what ageism is all about. And to be honest, when I first engaged with this campaign, I had a very limited awareness of the issues. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty true of everybody else. You know, we grew up on this diet of stereotyping old old, older, older Australians. Mm. You know, even the concept old people, you know, properly I don't think captures the huge diversity that exists in our community when people grow older. You know, if we're diverse when we're younger, we're probably radically more diverse as we age. So stereotyping, lumping everybody into a predetermined, uh, you know, category of, uh, of thinking when they get older is, I think, you know, very unhelpful to uh, an open, engaged and fully participating society because the evidence is that this stereotyping leads to um, discrimination and it leads to mistreatment. And the evidence is absolutely in that the stereotyping starts when people are about to hit 50 because we know from major surveys by the Human Rights Commission and by the Australian Institute of Human Resources that something like 20% of all employers will literally refuse to employ people over 50 or have a you know an acknowledged great reluctance to do so. Now, that's insane. That's and it's in- being practised today all oh, over. Oh, yes. And it's a really hard barrier to break down. Well, it is. But, you know, it's causing enormous damage to people, you know, especially for a lot of women, you know, who are reaching 50, who really need that time to accumulate super. 
And the evidence is extraordinary that there could be such entrenched prejudice and discrimination, especially in view of the fact that age discrimination is illegal in every state and territory with the unanimous support of the parliaments. And, uh, you know, employers need to realise that um, not only are they missing out on a vast talent pool by this discrimination, but they're also running an enormous risk of a major, you know, class action against them by people who've suffered that discrimination. Has and that happened, by the way? It, there have been cases, but not nearly as many as are coming because I think what will happen is that a number of people who are working in HR, you know, have got the evidence. You know, a lot of this stuff is documented or if not documented has been admitted and directed by people within corporations and also and the statistics indeed, I would guess yeah. within some businesses you'd look at the, at all those applications well yes but absolutely but the point is of course that you know there's hard evidence out there which will eventually come to light of how these practices are carried out so there's enormous reputational risk for a company but you know Susan Ryan did an inquiry um, when she was the age discrimination commissioner called willing to work and it really highlighted, you know, the absurdity from an economic and national interest perspective that uh, older people, even when they reach 50, are consigned to the, you know, has-been basket of unemployability. And uh, that's only one of the manifestations, of course, but the, the real message from Every Age Counts is don't stereotype people um, and this isn't just about the interests of Australians as they age, but also we need to build intergenerational solidarity. You know, this pitting the generations against each other is really counterproductive to a healthy society. So we've got to find ways to break down those barriers. Mm. Would you say that uh, that the issue of ageism is uh, bipartisan in Australia? Look, I, I, I think it's bipartisan in the sense that uh, the Every Age Counts campaign, I think, has got support from both sides of politics, all the different political parties, you know, but we need to build one hell of a campaign to turn this around because this discrimination and mistreatment um, extends to other areas as well. You know, I don't think that the Age Care Royal Commission highlighted the issue to the extent that it could have, but it did nonetheless make the point that underlying the mistreatment of older people in aged care accommodation often has its origins in the kind of dehumanising of people, you know, that people are perceived when they're in, you know, aged care accommodation to, to lose their humanity. Yeah. And this also, They're just a unit, aren't they? Yeah, well, yeah. Sadly. And, and it happens also, I think, in relation to you know, um, elder abuse, you know, that people become dehumanised and, uh, you know, we've got to really work hard to build this national campaign. So I'm delighted that we've got support from so many diverse organisations in the community and uh, we've established a national day, uh, October the 7th, uh, which essentially is an ageism awareness day. Believe it or not, our campaign's now been taken up in the United States, in the United Kingdom, and the World Health Organization sees ageism and stereotyping 
discrimination and mistreatment of older people is a real issue and they give evidence that uh, it can, in fact, result in a shorter lifespan for people. Mm-hmm. Because if people are... Because they're not feeling useful. Not feeling useful, continually put down and, and dismissed. a burden on society. Dismissed just yeah. because of their age. Yeah. Now, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are, are very resilient and uh, aren't impacted. But, you know, if you're a, a person who's, for example, a woman in the workforce, um, you know, in... 50s or early 60s, and you are subjected to age discrimination whereby you're denied promotion and potentially made redundant, um, quite illegally, of course, contrary to the age discrimination legislation, but it happens. But it's, it's such a blow to people, to their quality of life, to their self-esteem, but also to their income. So it's not surprising that you know, there is evidence that one of the growing categories of homelessness is is, as older women. Robert, you're obviously a a power person. You're somebody who throughout his life has, has run and charged at things and and gotten involved. You're not a passive sort of person. For you, and we like to ask all our people, you know, when did you realise you were suddenly senior? How's the age journey going for you personally? I guess, you know, I have relatively good health. I'm determined to remain as physically fit as I can. I guess I'm very lucky, privileged indeed, to have had such a rich life. Um, I think you introduced me as a politician before. I, I cringed because I I never thought of myself as a politician, ever. I really didn't. You know, I, if anything, I'm kind of a parliamentarian perhaps, but, you know, I, I've always been in this game of life to make a difference. And you asked me when it started. I guess for me, I've just always had a passion for taking up issues that I think are things worth fighting for. And, you know, I've had a very rich life. I was adopted as a, um, as a baby. I always thought that the drive that I have and this compassion gene that I seem to be afflicted with, um, <laughs> you know... It's a lovely gene. May, may, have been, may have been something inculcated instead by my adopted parents um, uh, but then I met my birth parents in later life, and uh, all in your book, Ten Doors yeah, Down, which is a fantastic book. Thank you. Yes. So I don't know where it comes from. I don't have any tickets on myself. I'm just a very ordinary person. I care. I you hate. You want to, to s- change things. Don't I want you? to change things for the mm. better, but mm. I also hate to see people hurt. And I, that's what I was getting to, telling the story of my family. You know, M- my mother in particular that I grew up with was a. A very, very compassionate person, and she uh, hated to see people hurt. And of all the influences on, on my life, and you know, I've since met my birth parents, and you know, th- that's been hugely important in my life. And I identify so much with with them. But I think my mother Gwen, um, you know, when I was growing up, was obviously uh, a huge influence. And I think that. Um, ability to be able to relate to other people's pain is um, 
something I've always felt. You mm. know. I'm Can you just very, very, very briefly explain the title of the book, Ten Doors Down? It's called Ten Doors Down because when in my 40s, when I was Federal Minister for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Affairs and the adoption laws were changed around 1990-91 and I lifted the contact veto to meet my birth parents and I found this extraordinary coincidence that having grown up in Foster on the north coast of New South Wales, there was only one place in Sydney I knew through my adopted family that I was my I, place I identified with as a small child, and that was at number 18 Lansdowne Street, Marylands, where my adopted grandmother lived. So there I was in my 40s, meeting my mother on the my birth mother on the Opera House steps where I did. But by then I knew that where she lived was 38 <laughs> Lansdowne Street, Marylands. Unbelievable. Ten doors away from, from the, my adopted grandmother in the street where I played, where I had such familiarity. And, of course, my book, Ten Doors Down, sets out that journey of discovery of my, my birth family and is written in large, in large part as a tribute to my, to my birth mother who suffered enormously, as I believe overwhelmingly all birth mothers do through the adoption process. Mm. So to meet her and, and then my birth father and my brothers and my sisters has been you know, a, a, just a beautiful, wonderful life privilege. And although my mother and father have now passed on, um, I'm still, of course, exceptionally close to my two brothers and two sisters who I love dearly and my, my stepmother through, through my father. Yeah, mm. That's great. Uh, one thing that we did uh, talk about earlier on before we started this interview is that you've just been to the skin doctor and this really goes back to our <laughs> ages because Ange and I have both been assaulted as well by well, skin doctors. we mm. all are, aren't yeah. we? This is uh, one of the you, things you deal with when you get older is getting the sunspots burned off. That's right. We we're also have Anglo skin, all three of us, and, and we should have been on a moor somewhere in the cold, not worrying about the sun, but it's, it's affecting us here in Australia. But it's all part of ageing. The maintenance that goes with getting a bit older, you realise you've got to go up on the hoist every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, this body maintenance for me has been a long-standing, um, unfortunately, an unavoidable uh, must that I've had to face. And I've been doing it for three decades and it all stems from my time as a growing up in Foster, being on the surfboard, applying calamine lotion in some misguided <laughs> view that that was going to be a protection from the sun. So I've been having these skin doctor uh, episodes for three decades now, so I, I keep a good watch on it. And I think, you know, that's my advice to people. Try and stay as fit as you can. Uh, look after your health as best you can. But, you know, live life for me. Live life with a passion. Um, love generously. Um, you know, be particularly committed to your family. And, and, you know, I try and do those things. I fall by the off the pedestal sometimes, but... It's not for the want of trying, and I, I love my life, and I'm at peace with the world, and think that's as much as you could ask for. You are a softy, dare oh, I say? Guilty as charged, Your <laughs> Honour. Yeah, of course, of course I am. Of course I am. That's why we love you. <laughs> yeah. I asked you at the very beginning if you had experienced ageism, and you yes, sort I, of skirted around that. Have you? Well, there was one thing that did come to mind when I'd finished my answer. Um, I was 
the acting undersecretary general of the International Red Cross and Red Crescent Federation in Geneva. And I came upon this essentially compulsory retirement age uh, at 65. And, you know, and I deeply regret that because, uh, you know, I, I really had so many things that I wanted to do in leadership roles in that organisation. But, yeah, that's, that's a crazy thing. And may I say that not everyone wants to work. And, mm. it's, it's, of course, they don't necessarily have to do that. It's all about choice. People should have choice. And that's essentially what, you know, what I'm standing for in in work with every age counts, you know, that... It's something, and it's not, it's work, but then in another way, if it's something you're passionate about and you love, it's really not work, is it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I'm very much in favour of people continuing in the workforce if they want to, and they're still able to to contribute, you know. But it's, it's not all about work. I mean, the issues of ageism impact right across the whole spectrum of, of life. And I think that the Federal Minister for Health and Aged Care, Mark Butler, is mm. quite interested in these issues. He's probably a good one to have on your program. He actually wrote a book about it about these things and gave a... We're noting that down yeah, even gave a speech. We'll use your name to get in. He gave... Well, I'm not sure that will do you any good. We'll see. But he gave he gave the Hugh Stratton lecture in Adelaide earlier this year, a very powerful speech you'd love for this program, I mm. think. Yeah. Uh, okay. It, it, it interests me too, and we don't have politicians on the show very often. But I'm not a politician. He's not a politician. I know you're not. Most of my life has been spent... He in was a, a parliamentarian. But, but most of my life has been spent in the not-for-profit sector. Most yeah. of my whole life. I, I I get it. I get it. Okay. That's fine. But I, you have been in that sort of seat of power. And, and, <laughs> and I think the world particularly at the moment for, for everybody, uh, we're looking at it at a very confused state. It seems to be out of control. Uh, for somebody who's actually been in a situation of power with, with some of the levers, do you get any feeling like we're actually getting better at this or worse? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. I really am glad you asked me that question because, you know, if there's anything I worry about for our country, it's that we go down the path of America. You know, this hyper-partisan, hateful politics um, is just so destructive of a society. I think that we've got to find bridges, you know, to get diverse opinions engaging and talking and communicating around issues of common concern. So that's one of the reasons that I'm attracted to the Every Age Counts campaign. And in the Justice Reform Initiative, you know, we've got people from the most conservative part of the Liberal Party, the National Party, you know, the Labor Party, Greens, Independents, a whole lot of people who aren't involved in politics at at all. But it's bringing people together from different perspectives, different backgrounds, who are really wanting to act on evidence-based policy in relation to criminal justice reform, to invest in the programs and initiatives that will stop this repeat offending, break that cycle of incarceration. But it goes to the wider point, you know, that we want to have a a society where uh, we we don't have that hyper-partisan breakdown uh, that the United States has obviously gone through, and, uh, and He's still uh, going through. Yes, and you know, we, we, it's so fragile. And and uh, I, I guess I you know, I had a, a dear friendship with the late Tommy Wren, who you would know, and 
he used to say two things, and among many, many things he said, but two things that have stayed with me. And one of them was that there's no progress in hate. And that came from a person who'd you know, been a prisoner of war on the Burma Thai Railway and in Japan, and yet was able to build you know, a relationship, a friendship with Japanese people. But he also you know, used to talk about men and women of goodwill coming together. And before I really got to know Tom as deeply as I did, I used to think like that as well. And knowing his life and his views, it really reinforced my thinking. And, and I think it's still valid today. We've got to find people of goodwill in the community who want to take us to a better place. You know, I'm so over, you know, vitriol, point scoring, game playing, phony political stunts. I am so over it. Life is so short. We have such a precious planet. Uh, we have such a, a wonderful country and, and challenging issues that we've got to address. And, and that's why we've got to bring people of, of goodwill together to solve a lot of these issues and challenges. Well said. I wish you'd had something to say here during this interview, Robert Tickner. Uh, you know, <laughs> really been, brought something yeah. to the table. <laughs> You've been hard to get, to, you know, a <laughs> oh, word sorry. out of. Not <laughs> oh, sorry. Absolute pleasure having yes. you. Well, especially with you two. I mean, you know, I... I you know, obviously, you know, don't blush, but hold you in both in the highest regard over a very long time. Oh, and, uh, thank you. No, Ron. it's it's true. It's you very know, lovely. And, and there's nothing wrong with us acknowledging that in in others. We probably don't do it enough, don't you think? You yeah. know, I, I I sometimes go out of my way, even though I'm believe it or not, I'm relatively shy. Um, I sometimes see people that I really admire, and I often, you know, if the time is right nuzzle up to them, have a bit of a chat and say, you know, thank you for all the things that you have done for our country or, or the world, you know. And, uh, yeah, because you'd be so, so surprised. I don't think people say that to, I agree. to those people enough. I yeah. agree. And I think the older you get, the the, the braver you get yeah. to do that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And we should be, live, you know, you know live freely. With nothing freely. left unsaid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been lovely good. having a nuzzle it with has. you, Robert. Yeah, thanks okay. for <laughs> nuzzling up. All the best. Okay, you too. Bye. Please like and also subscribe. Thank you for listening. I'm Angela Caterns. I'm Ian Rogerson. Leave a comment, as long as it's nice. <laughs> if it's not, that's right. fuck off. Yes. See you next time, Ange. Bye. And I want wine with my meds. <laughs> <laughs>